ahead and grab out your Bible and something to take some notes with. Uh, if you like fill in the blank, you can pull out the app. If you don't take notes at all, just know I am watching you, all right? I can see you out there without your pen, and I take enough notes for all of us, so it's be, it'll all even out in the end. We're in part two of our series, Finding Center. Uh, and I told you, this is a series, honestly, that I think is well uh, overdue. I think it's long overdue for our church. I think it's long overdue for our culture. This is something that we just have to have a conversation about. And so we've been talking about our emotions. We've been talking about how we deal with our feelings, how we deal with the way that we process the world around us. Uh, And so I told you, if we were going to do this, we would do it with a gospel lens. If we're going to address our emotions, if we're going to talk about these kinds of things, we're going to do it through the lens of the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus. And so... We started week one with this idea looking at Jesus's life and how he experienced emotion and how he reacted to the emotions in others. And we're going to pattern our life after his. So week one, we looked at grief and compassion, talking about how Jesus raised to life the widow's only son. Now, normally I would start the week with a question for you, right? You've kind of gotten used to that. Raise your hand, that kind of thing. I thought I'd start week two with a confession. All right. You ready for a confession from your pastor? Everybody, even if you don't, it's coming, all right? So I don't, I don't, a rhetorical question for you. If you're ready for a confession from your pastor, because listen to me very clearly, I can tell you honestly that the confessions I make are great for my soul and bad for my reputation. And so it's going to be an amazing moment this morning. But just to confess here, I want to say it very clearly. I can say honestly to you, I love Jesus. I faithfully follow Jesus. I trust Jesus. And I still deal with moments of overwhelming anxiety. If I'm going to be, we're going to be honest with one another. I'm going to hit you in the face right off the bat. I love Jesus. I trust Jesus. I faithfully follow him. And I still have moments of crippling anxiety. And I don't know how it would look for you. And I would really love for it not to be like, it'd really be convenient in my life if it wasn't true. You understand what I'm saying? Like that would be a really convenient thing to get rid of. And I don't know what it looks like for you. But for me, what this looks like is something usually happens. It doesn't have to be something big, but something out of the order, unexpected, gets thrown on my plate. And it's usually near the end of the week, or it's usually something that's gone out of control or out of my control. Something that I can't seem to make work right. And then Sunday is still looming. I don't know if you guys have deadlines or things, but this is my crucible, all right? This is my deadline every week. Sunday is still looming ahead. And so usually what happens is sometime around like two or three in the morning, my mind will lock on whatever it is that I can't control. Whatever it is that I can't make work right, I can't make, I can't push hard enough to make it happen. I can't, whatever it is, my mind will lock on those things. And I experience moments of overwhelming anxiety and worry where I feel like that thing's not going to happen. And my mind will sometimes just shut down in that moment. And some people have told me they have trouble breathing in those moments. That's not what happens to me. Mine is my mind will just shut down. And I'll come into this moment of it's not going to happen. It could never happen. And the feelings and the thoughts that start in that moment. And I don't know how it looks for you. I don't know what those moments are. But what I do know is this is probably something that affects so, so many of us. And we never talk about it. This is something that affects so, so many people in our culture. And probably if I did a show of hands, this would probably be our most responded question we've ever had here at church. Where what do we do in those moments of anxiety? What do we do in those moments where our mind shuts down or you lose your breath or it's two in the morning and you don't know what's going to happen? 
What do we do in those moments? And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, all right? We're going to have ourselves a come to Jesus meeting. It's going to be a good time today. But we're going to talk about how do we process that through the lens of the gospel? How do we process those moments? Because honestly, I would say this is something, if it was a problem in the past, it has gotten worse tenfold in the last couple of years. It's probably, unfortunately, many, many more of you. Because everybody knows the last couple of years have been the longest years in history. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, they're like 17 years all in one, just wrapped up in those. Just you feel like you get to the end and you're like, okay, there's another decade. You get to the end and you're, it just, for some reason, these last few, and it's just been incredible. No wonder people are filled with anxiety. No wonder people feel this thing, this very real sense. And I want to be clear, I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. I know Jesus. And I still have these moments that overcome it. So what do we do in those moments? What do we do in those particular moments? Because it's crazy season everywhere you go. I just want you guys to understand that, right? Like it's just, it's, it's just nuts. And you, you take out just not even talking like a pandemic that shuts down the entire world, but just talking about like economic uncertainty and fear and racial tension. And all these things that have risen up inside and then everybody just kind of lost their minds and everybody started posting conspiracy theories and everything. And everybody started getting so afraid. Not us, right? Every other person. Now all those other people have been doing that stuff. Not never us. But it's no wonder people feel anxious and alone and afraid and unsettled. And they're looking for something that feels peaceful and calm and normal. In fact, I read an interesting statistic from the National Center for Health about the U.S. And it said in July of 2019... They studied people who had disorders of anxiety or showed the signs of having an anxiety disorder. And in 2019, they contrasted it to July of 2020. So 2019, 8.2% of adults showed a sign of a disorder of anxiety. And you think, well, what difference does a year make? July of 2020 now, it was 36% of adults showed a level of anxiety or a disorder. And even in 2021 and 22, when things should have kind of reverted to the mean and settled down, more than 50% more adults now show a sign of anxiety disorder, something that has crippled us. And so in this series, we're looking at the emotions of Jesus. And today I want to look at this feeling or emotion of anxiety. And as we do, as we start out this, I want to be very careful and very clear in what I say. It might bore some of you, but I have a disclaimer for you, everybody. I want to say this from the outset, that anxiety is incredibly, incredibly complex. Anxiety can be physiological. There can be a component of genetics in this side of thing. It can be uh, even spiritual sometimes. It can be emotional. It can be feelings where it's a physical problem. It can be all of these different things can roll into this. And so here's what I want to say. This is kind of how I want to approach this with this holistic view We always want to come into this with a holistic view that we're going to come at this from every angle, meaning that you might want to see a doctor if you have these moments. If it's something physiological or something in genetic or even something, you might want to see who might help you with your diet or prescribe a medication that could be very helpful in those moments. You might want to see a counselor or a therapist in those moments that could be very helpful in processing those things and those events. I want to take a holistic view to this. The only place that I am qualified to speak to is the spiritual. The only spot that I am qualified to give you what the Bible says is when I talk about the spiritual, it's the only place I am qualified. And so while we're going to take a holistic approach today, I want to speak into a spiritual perspective about anxiety, about a very real emotion that we are enduring today. And I want to look at how Jesus dealt with anxiety. All right, everybody, we're on the same page today. So as we talk about anxiety, as we discuss this, because I think the first question we have, if we look at this through a spiritual lens, 
If we say, okay, I, I have anxiety as a Christian, the first question that gets raised then is, did I fail God? If I'm experiencing anxiety, am I somehow failing Him? If, if I have those moments, did I somehow let God down? And we ask these questions. I don't know if you've ever been real with yourself. You ask those questions of, okay, am I, am I doing what I should do as a Christian? Am I not living by faith if I feel it? Is it a sin to be anxious? And I want to be clear here at the beginning. It is not a sin to be anxious, everybody. Honestly, it's a little bit like anger, if we're honest with each other, right? Anger is not a sin in and of itself. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. And so like anger, anxiety is not a sin. Sometimes and very often it may lead to sin, but in itself, it's not. In a moment, it doesn't mean that you let God down. And I think we have to get rid of that stigma if we're going to be honest with ourselves and we're going to be honest with God. That if we experience these moments, it's not that we let God down. It's not that somehow this is a sin. It might surprise you, honestly, when we look at the Son of God, Jesus, and we look at what He endured, knowing what was going to come on the cross. And some people would say Jesus had incredible anxiety, knowing what was about to happen to Him on the cross, knowing what was about to occur in His life. And we're going to look at a moment in the life of Jesus that maybe looks different to you than any other moment you've experienced or any other moment you've observed in His life to this point. And we're going to study that and what he would do, looking forward to the suffering he would have. In fact, I want to day, I want to look very specifically at how Jesus dealt with his anxiety, how he dealt with those moments. And what's interesting, whenever Jesus experienced it, you know what he did when he would experience a moment like that? He did what my daughter Hava does. He started talking. Come on, somebody. Because my daughter Hava can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. He just starts talking. When Jesus experiences, he talked back. When he experiences anxiety, he talked. I want to look at how he wrestled with this, how he overcame, and what it meant in his ascent to the cross. We'll look at it in Mark chapter 14. What do you do? The first thing that you do in Mark chapter 14, first thing you might want to do if you're experiencing a moment like this, first thing you might want to do is what Jesus did. He began to talk to his friends. He leaned on his friends. And watch this in the story. He leaned on them because if you're going through anxiety, it's a really wise decision, I think, to seek out godly and helpful friends and begin to talk those things over. Mark 14, we'll pick it up in verse 32. And I'll give you the context about this moment. This is right after the Last Supper. And Jesus now, overwhelmed with what's about to happen to him, he gets alone with his disciples, the ones who are closest to him. And Judas, one of his 12, has already slipped away. He's going to betray Jesus. And Jesus knows that. You can experience that kind of betrayal that he would feel in this moment. And so he gets alone with his 12 and watch this. They went to a place called Gethsemane. Now, Gethsemane means the crushing or the place of the oil press. And so he's at this place and Jesus starts to speak to his friends. And he says, disciples, sit here while I pray. And so he sits the other there and then watch this. And then he goes with Peter, James and John, the ones closest to him. And now he begins to be deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus, the Son of God, always in perfect communion with God, sinless, perfect on this earth, always in this perfect relationship with His Father, becomes severely distressed and troubled. And the Bible talks about this. I love the way the message paraphrase puts this. And it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase, so you can read it kind of like a sermon. But I love the way it puts this. It says that Jesus became plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. I don't know if you've ever been in that place. I don't know, again, how anxiety affects you. If you've ever been in the sinkhole of darkness or confusion 
or paralyzed or feeling like you can't catch your breath, whatever it is, if you've ever been in that moment, Jesus feels this weight of the sins of the world, of the agony that's about to happen. And it says he begins to be severely distressed and troubled inside. And it says his sweat began, it pictures Jesus. And I think we skip this moment because we don't like to see Jesus like this. And so we skip over this because we know the end from the beginning. And so we skip the moments that Jesus reveals. And so he begins to feel this, this agony, these emotions in his life. Why? Well, Jesus was God in the flesh. He knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's going to be beaten with rods. He knows that he's going to be accused of something he didn't do. He knows he's going to be misunderstood and abused and hung on a cross naked and ashamed. And he knows he's going to be put on these things up there. And he knows all the things that are about to happen to him is in his mind. And so he's at the place of the crushing and it's weighing on him. And so he takes his friends to the side and he says, just pray with me. He said, my soul is, is distressed within me. He feels this agony inside of him. And even worse than all of this, Jesus, who is sinless, Jesus, who is perfect, is now about to become sin so that we could be made perfect. He's about to take our sins upon him. He's about to become sin for us. He's about to become, you, you name it. He's about to become lying, thieving, stealing, lust, adultery, envy, hatred, violence. He's about to take it on him. Holiness is about to become filthiness. And then in a moment, with all of those things on him, on a cross, his father, who he's in perfect communion with, God, who is perfect, has to turn his back. And in probably the greatest moment of agony, Jesus will cry out, my God, my God, Father, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And he's feeling the weight of this. And so when it says deeply distressed and troubled, this isn't Jesus just feeling a little bit worried before he has to go and do something trivial. This is Jesus feeling the anxiety and the moment and the just weight of what is about to happen to him. And I want you to watch as he's about to be, as he's in this sinkhole, this agony, this distress. I want you to watch the honesty Jesus shows to his friends. The honesty he has with the son of God who's perfect, larger than life figure. The honesty he shows to the friends. Because have you ever noticed nobody lies like Christians? Come on, somebody. Like nobody, we talked about this last week. Nobody, nobody can put on a face like Christians can. Nobody's got that. We, we are first in the world at this. This idea of when somebody says, how are you doing? You walk in on a Sunday and you're just like, fine, bro. I'm just doing great. I'm just doing so good. We, I call it the praise the Lord voice. Praise the Lord. I just feel so good. And it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. How are you? Oh, just, just praise God. We're just, or even if you don't lie. And you have this, we're just keeping on, keeping on. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever thing we decided to put, that's not what Jesus does. In his moment of agony, in his moment of distress and trouble, that's not what he does. Watch what he says. Complete transparency. He says, guys, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And you might think Jesus is trying to like, he should just like, like just encourage his disciples. Jesus should just put on a face so he can, he can make his disciples feel good about them. No, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. In other words, I ache so much on the inside. I don't know if I can endure it. I'm at the point of death. I don't know if my body can take it. Would you please just stay here and keep watch? In other words, I, I, in my whole imagination, he's, he's saying, look, guys, I poured into you for three and a half years now. Can you stay with me for an hour and pray? 
Can, can you watch? Can you just, just have my back for an hour? I, I'm going to go over there and just keep watch for one. I got to pray. I got to put some things before the father. Can you just, can you just be with me? And I think it's telling that he left the eight and then he takes the three who are closest. And those are the ones he pours into. Listen, you don't have to pour your life into everybody, but you got to have somebody around you that you're able to be honest with. That he says, my soul is down there. I think one of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest reasons so many people suffer from anxiety and from loneliness, we have distanced ourselves from community. I truly believe it. And so many people experience these moments of loneliness and are susceptible to every new bad news that comes out and every, every sense of whatever fear, whatever thing it is, because we have drawn ourselves out of community and out of the spiritual community that God has called us to be in. And Jesus, the sinless son of God, says to his friends, I need you. He says, this is crushing me. I don't know if I can make this through this. Would you guys sit here close to me? Would you pray? Would you just pray? If you're feeling anxiety, first thing you can do is what Jesus did. You can lean on your godly friends who are around you. Now, if you are saying, well, Pastor Ben, that's great for Jesus, but you don't know my friends. You don't know. You don't know the people. I like Jesus's friends, but my friends, you don't understand. I leaned on them and they let me down. Or I leaned on the church one time and they just, they just didn't respond the way that I wanted to. And it just wasn't, I, I just couldn't lean on them and I thought I would and they weren't there for me. Listen to me, go back and read the story for yourself. Because three times Jesus comes back and these jokers are sleeping. Come on, somebody. Three times he's asked them, watch with me. And I think it's telling that he keeps waking them up and asking them, watch with me. He keeps waking them up and asking them, stay with me. And three times they fall asleep. And one of the times that they didn't even know what to say to him when he woke them up. Anybody had a friend like that? They just, they don't know why they do the things they do, but they let you down. Trust me, Jesus understands. And that's why, and I'm not trying to let people off the hook, all right, everybody? But listen to me, you, there will be times. There will be times, I don't care how good your friends is, I don't care how good your church is. Because we are human, there are times that we will let you down. There are times that the people around you will let you down. I know it's point number one, but listen to me, even better than that, you need to lean on your friends. But more than that, you do what Jesus then did. And you start to talk to your father. And so it's important you lean on your friends, but then you begin to talk to your heavenly father, not just your earthly father. You lean on your heavenly father. And let me explain it to you this way. I don't know if, if this would be a great analogy or not, but take it as far as it takes you. Anybody else, I don't know if it creates any kind of panic inside of you, but anybody else hate like a check engine light in your car? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you just hate it. It always happens right when your inspection sticker is about a month out of date. And then the lights, it's like a Christmas tree. It just knows, it knows when to do that. And everybody, and it's just this moment, and it just fills you with that kind of panic of like, now something else is wrong. Like everything else is going wrong and now my car has betrayed me. And those of you who have like newer cars, you might not experience this as much because now they have like warning lights for trivial things. Like it could be your tire pressure or something, right? It just could be, it could just be you forgot your keys or you did, but like my car turned 18 last year. Come on, somebody. It can vote. Yes, it can. And so... When it has a light, it does not have time to waste time on trivial lights. If there is a light, something bad has happened to my car, all right? That's just the way that it works. And so when I see that light, listen to me, that light itself is not the problem. You understand this, right? That light is not, that signal light on my dash is not the actual problem, because I could just put a piece of tape over it if that was the actual problem. Some of you do that. Some of you are like, if I just don't look at it, it's not there. That light is not the problem. That light is a signal telling me that I would be very wise to take my truck to a mechanic. Come on. That light is a signal. What is anxiety? Anxiety is that light telling you that it's time to pray. 
that anxiety is a signal that it's time to pray. Paul wrote to the Philippians and he said, be anxious about nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition, bring your request to God. Paul told them, bring your request to God in prayer, be anxious. That anxiety is telling you it's time to pray about something. It's letting you know it's time to pray. In other words, in every situation, begin to pray. If it's something that's causing you anxiety, it's something you need to pray about. You understand what I'm saying? It's something that needs to be prayed about. What's on your mind, what's on your heart, bring it to God. I think too often times we keep a list of things that I pray about and a list of things that I just have to deal with on my own. And if we're honest with ourselves about the very real emotions that we feel, we need to bring it to God. We need to bring those things to God. If you're worried about your marriage, you pray about your marriage. If you're worried about your job, you pray about your job. If you're worried about your kids, you pray about your kids. If you're worried about the decisions that you're making, maybe as a family, you say there's too many options and we need clarity, you pray about it. If you're worried about a sickness or a loved one, you pray about it. If you're worried about it, pray about it. And it's simple to say, but I've met so many people that my first question is, have we prayed? And, And it's always... I didn't want to pray about that. And I think too often times we skip over. We have set aside this week to put this discipline of prayer in our lives this year. And I would just encourage you, if you have trouble having that discipline, join us on the nights this week. We're going to pray for our families. We're going to pray for our spouses. We're going to pray for our kids. We're going to pray for our schools. We're going to pray for our church. We're going to pray for our community. We're going to lift these things up in prayer because that is what we are called as the people of God to do. And so it's a signal that we need to begin to pray. Jesus leaned on his friend, but more importantly, he talked to his father. See it in verse 35, going a little further. He fell to the ground. He prayed, if possible, that the hour might pass from him. And listen, I think, and I don't know if it's you, but I think we skip these verses. I really do. I think maybe, or we read them and we don't actually read them. Jesus prays this prayer, if it's possible, Don't let this happen this way. If it's possible, don't let He cries out to God. Watch what He prays. Abba, Father, He says, everything is possible for you. I know that you can. You've ever prayed like this? If you've ever prayed in the emotion or the grief or the anxiety or the anxious, whatever, if you've ever prayed, God, I know that you can. Please, please take this. In this moment, I know that you can do everything. It's possible. Take this cup from me. Please, I don't want to suffer this way. Here's what I love about Jesus' prayer. It's honest. It's honest. Like Jesus isn't pulling some memorized prayer out of like, you know, he learned it a few years ago and so now's the time to use it. Like he doesn't have a Gethsemane suffering prayer like in his back pocket. Like now's the time. Like for such a time as this, I have this prayer. No, he's honest in the way that he prays. And this is what God wants from you. He's honest in the way. In fact, I think one of the biggest mistakes we make sometimes, and I'm not harping on any one thing, but I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is only teaching our kid memorized prayers to pray. Like only teaching them just to recite certain prayers and not others. Like, and even the ones that we do teach them, like who decided those are good prayers for kids to pray? Like now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake I pray the Lord my soul to take like who thought yeah that's the one for three to five year olds like that's the 
That's the prayer that we need to like. You might die tonight. And if you do, you better pray God takes your soul. Because the other side might take it where you don't want to go. Good night. Lights off. Good night, little guy. You just have a good, sweet dreams. That's a whole other thing. I don't know. (laughs) Jesus doesn't pray some God is great, God is good, some cookie cutter prayer. No, he goes into the garden with the most honesty he can have. God, I know that you can and this is not what I want. Take this cup from me. If it's possible. If there's any other way, please. Please. He cries out from the depths of his soul and that's what God wants from you. That's what God wants. Peter says in his book, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Listen to me. It is okay to be honest with God. I promise you he can handle it. God would prefer you come in in honesty and prayer and unleash on him than turn away in some hypocritical way and not ever express what's actually in your heart. He can take it. He's big enough to hear the anguish of his people. He's big enough to handle the hurt in your soul. Cast your cares upon him. And there's something healing about telling God when you're afraid. There's something healing about telling God when it's too much for you to handle. About telling God when it's too much to understand. Or even when you're upset about the way things are. He can handle your honesty. Father, things are falling apart. Whatever it is for your life, Father, I I can't take this. Father, I don't know what to do in this situation. God, I don't know. I don't understand where were you and why couldn't you? And I know it. I don't understand and I'm angry. He can take it. When we're honest in our prayers. When we come before him and God, I I don't know what that looks like for you. But God, like I can't catch my breath. And God, I just don't know what to do. And Lord, it's, it's two in the morning again. And it's just too big for me. And I just don't understand. And I can't go through. And God, all I need is you. He can feel the honesty. I promise you, it's more than any hypocrisy or fakeness we try to summon up. Jesus said, hey, if there's another way to do this, my soul is being crushed right now. If there's any other way, let this cup pass. I know what's coming and I don't like it, God. If there's any other way, I'm begging you, can we do it another way? What do you do when it's two in the morning and you can't sleep again? Or when there's shortness of breath or when you feel like the world's closing in on you or you feel like it's too much? What do you do at those moments? You lean on your friends, you lean on godly community. You talk to your father honestly and from the heart. And then the third thing we see Jesus do in this moment then, we settle what's true. And this may be one of the hardest things that I would ever say as a pastor to somebody. That after you have leaned on your friends around you, you've been godly spiritual community, after you have prayed, talk with the father you need to settle in your you need to talk to your emotions and your feelings you got to talk and you got to settle what is true and i just got a question for all of you anybody ever have like whacked out feelings and emotions sometimes you just feel like just off the wall moments where feelings that you don't even know where they came from maybe somebody online you just type in i'm crazy sometimes just type that on the thing i'm just crazy sometimes because people love to say like follow your feelings and like trust your trust your heart your emotions just don't do that everybody all right like if i followed my feelings i'd be in jail by like two o'clock everybody you understand this like it just be 
<laughs> I'm just telling you. If, if, uh, no, because your feelings are very real. I'm not discounting that, but they are not always true, everybody. They are not always true. And I think people get themselves in so many difficult situations thinking every emotion, every feeling I have is what's actually true. And it's not. It's not. So we need to settle what is true. What you want to do is you want to tell your feelings. You want to tell your emotions. You don't get to lead me. You don't get to be the boss of me. I experience those things. I feel those things, but they're not the boss of me. They don't get to lead me in those. I settle what is actually true. Watch this in verse 36. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take the cup from me yet. I don't want this to happen. I'm crushed under this. I don't think I can take it. I want to do it another way. Yet not what I want, but what you will. He settles what is true. He says, not what I want, but what you will. What does Jesus feel like? All right, let's just, let's just back this up. What does Jesus feel like? I'll tell you what he doesn't feel like. Jesus didn't wake up thinking, today is the day I want to be beaten with rods. This is just the day. I just feel like it. Today is the day I want to be misused and abused. Today's the day I want to be misunderstood. Today's the day I want to be taken in front of the crowds and humiliated. And I want to be stripped naked and hung on a cross. Today is the day. That's not ever what Jesus said. That's not what he said. You got to speak to your emotions and tell your feelings the truth. You got to settle this thing. Whenever you start to feel like, well, God doesn't love me. No, 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 no. God is love. You tell your emotions, I feel like that. No, no, God so loved the world. God so loved me that he sent Jesus Christ that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I know my God loves me. When your feelings and emotions start to try to say, well, I'm just all alone in this world. No, 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 no. God has placed you in spiritual community and people around you and he sent the right people to lift you up. You're not alone and your God will never leave you or forsake you. When you start to worry and you start to feel anxious about your finances and you say, well, there's more month than money and I just don't know what's going to happen. No, no, God is your provider. That God will richly provide out his abundance and his glories. And listen to me carefully. And if you don't have it, you don't need it to do what God has called you to do. That he is your provider. He is the one who has sent us and given us a task. And he has given us everything we need to do what he has called us to do in this world. My God is my provider. If you start to have these feelings come up, when you feel like, I just can't go on. When you feel like I can't, no, 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 no. I can be content in my circumstances because my God is greater than my circumstances. I can be content in the things that I have because my God is greater than those things that come against me. And my God is my rear guard and my God goes before me and my God watches over me. You can speak the truth to your feelings. Listen to me, we settle what is true. And honestly, if I can give you one piece of advice, how do you know what to say in those moments? You got to get in his word. We start the Bible reading every year. If you haven't jumped in with us, today is a great day to start. You get the word of God inside of you. So when your feelings and your emotions start to say one thing, you say, no, the word of God says something else. When your feelings and emotions try to get the best of you in a dark and spiraling situation, you say, no, the word of God has already spoken and my feelings can just listen to the truth. We got to have this inside of us. And we settle. you think about it. You think about it. What does Jesus say in this moment? He leans on his friends. He talks to his father. And then he says, not my will, but yours be done. Not mine, but yours be done. And guess what? It worked. Like it really, really worked. You think, what did Jesus do? He stumbles into the garden of Gethsemane. Almost unable to stand. It says he throws himself on the ground when he prays. 
unable to stand soul-crushing anxiety, he leans on his friends, they fall asleep. He calls out to his father, he cries out, the answer to his prayer is not the one he was praying for. I think we skip that sometimes. That Jesus said, you can do anything and I'm praying, let this cup pass from me. The answer is not that the cup passed from him. No, he drank of the cup. He prays for this. The answer is not what he wanted it to be. But then he settles in his heart what is true. And so what happens when the soldiers come? What happens when they come seeking him and they take him and they beat him? And they rip his clothes and they pluck out his beard and they beat him bloody and they hang him. What what happens at that moment? Jesus stands up and what does he say? He says, no man takes my life from me. Jesus wasn't taken to the cross against his will. He prayed this prayer, if the cup could pass, let it pass. But not my will, let thine be done. And so what happens when they take him and they put him? He says, nobody takes my life from me. He's resolute. He's steadfast. He's strong. He's full of faith. He stands where he says, no one takes my life from me. I lay my life down. I lay it down. I choose to lay it down. When he's hanging on the cross and creation is at its worst, mocking and spitting upon the creator, God in the flesh, Jesus looks up at the Father and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Hanging on the cross, then he says, and he looks and he spreads it. He says, into your arms I commit my spirit. It is finished. I've done what you called me to do. And he gave his life. How do you deal with anxious thoughts? How do you go through a moment like that? Honestly, it's the same way I've been dealing with the anxiety that I feel. Because I do love Jesus. I do follow Jesus. I do trust Jesus. But I've still been dealing with anxiety. I lean on those closest to me. I've been talking to God in prayers that I would never let you hear. Come on, somebody. You just, you say, really, Pastor? Yeah, really. And then I've got to settle what's true. I cry out. I cry out, but then I tell my emotions, you're not the boss of me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of me. Listen to me. In these moments, we got to settle what is true. And I can be content in my circumstances because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. All things. And then honestly, the one that I say to myself the most, God has given me everything I need to do everything he has called me to do. He has given me everything. Paul said this in Romans, or in Philippians, out of a Roman prison. He said this, he said, don't be anxious about anything. And we could put whatever word we wanted to put here. I don't know what it would be for you. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about your family. Is that too big to say? Don't be anxious about politics. Don't be anxious about the future. Don't be anxious about the prodigal who's run so far. Don't be anxious about your marriage. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, make your request made known to God with thanksgiving. Present that request to him. And watch this. Watch what happens. The very same thing that Jesus experienced. Watch this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I think too many times we just, we say, well, I can't see how the peace would come. I can't see how I would have peace in this situation. I can't see how it transcends all understanding. It's the reason it transcends that, because it's the peace of God. will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus said, the peace I give you is not as the world gives. Listen, that means the world can't give it and the world can't take it away. That the peace of God would guard your hearts and your minds. It's not the peace of the world. That you understand that even when your soul feels overwhelmed, even when you feel like you're being crushed by the moment or the emotion or whatever it is, even when you feel that in your life, even when you have that feeling of anxiety, he says, the peace I give you, not like the world gives, that we have these moments that our God is bigger than anything that we face. Just stand with me today. We're going to end a little bit differently than we normally do. And that is we just have certain Sundays where we have whatever the topic happens to be that God puts on my own heart or that he kind of leads me in this moment. And I would just say this is something that we have hidden a long, long time. I think it's something that we're not able to be honest about it. So I would encourage you today. We're going to take a step. We're just going to take a moment. And I understand it is a very, very complex moment that what you may be feeling or what you may be processing through or that thing that maybe happened this week. But I want to give you an opportunity right now as a spirit of believers, just a community together, lifting one another, bearing with one another, casting our cares on him. I just want to open up the altars. And so if you need prayer, if you say, I'm going through something where my anxiety is, where I don't think I can survive it. I'm going through something where my emotions, I don't think that I can come through it. I want to have a moment now where we can lean on one another. We can cry out to our Father and we can settle as a church what is true. We can have a moment. And so as we begin to sing this song, if you want to stay at your chair and worship, that is fine. You have that privacy and that right. We'd love to pray with you though. If you want to come down to the altar, you say, I've just been walking through this this worry or this anxiety or this anxiety, whatever it is, or I've been walking through a soul-crushing season and I just need prayer. We would love to pray with you. And as we sing this, as we worship, let's settle some things. Let's pray so the peace of God that transcends all understanding would guard our hearts and our minds. Let's lift these things up in prayer. And as we sing this song, So we speak the name of Jesus. When I say the name of Jesus, darkness has to flee. When it said the name of Jesus in my life, chains are broken. When the name of Jesus comes, it feels like the clouds have lifted when we can see clearly his sacrifice, his endurance, what he went through for us. It says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells inside of us. Let's have this moment, church. Now encourage our small group leaders. Our prayer team, those are leaders in our church. Would you come down and just pray for those who come to the altar? Pray for those who are walking through this. It'd be our honor, our pastoral team. Let's begin to lift them up. Come on, church, let's sing and let's worship together. Let's settle some things this morning.
place right now and you say but I don't have a relationship with God either 
And I don't know, I can't cry out to him because I feel like he's a million miles away and I've run as far as you can possibly get from him. You say that right now, that's you. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to settle some things. That you have a moment right now. Right now, it's been given. It's one of the greatest gifts we have. That you have a moment right now to make a decision. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you've run. I don't care how deep you think you've gotten into whatever it is. Listen to me right now. I want you to hear very clearly. God still loves you. He still loves you and God still wants you. And I don't know how more plain to make it than that. He still wants you. And so you have an opportunity right now. I would love to give you this chance not to join a church, not to go in some separate room, not to do 10 steps. And it's whether I want to give you an opportunity right now to choose to follow Jesus. To say, I want to leave the old life behind and I want to follow him. And so if that's you right now, it would be our honor in this moment. Make that decision. Pray with us. That you can settle something right now. That would have implications for eternity. That you can make a decision right now that would turn the course of your life around. That in this moment you can make a declaration that I will repent of my sins and I will follow Jesus. And so if you feel that inside, if you feel that longing inside, listen to me. That is God drawing your heart. That there is no one who's too far gone. That you have that moment right now and I would hate for you to leave and miss it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity and I'm going to pray a prayer with you. Our church has declared, we will pray this with anybody who wants to pray it. Right now in this moment, pray this prayer with us, but you have to say it and you have to mean it. And it's a prayer of surrender. Listen to me. This is not an easy road ahead, but I promise you that God is calling you and he wants you. So right now, church, pray this with those who want to make that decision. Say this, say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins, of all my mistakes. I believe you died on a cross and I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus name. Now, Father, I pray over every single person here, God. Every person who made that decision, every person who is settling something, every person who's come to this altar, God, who is crying out to you, Lord, we just pray a prayer over them. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you never leave or forsake us. I thank you that you have called us to this thing. And Lord, I thank you that you walk with us every step of the way. Lord, I pray, give us the strength. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, watching the perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, seeing the one who goes before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, our King and our Savior and our Redeemer. Let us pattern our lives after Him. And Lord, give us the strength to follow you every step of the way. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's church said, Amen and Amen. Come on, church, can we give Him praise for what He's done today?